When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. DMV Download, the new daily podcast from WTOP News is out now. Hosts Megan Clorty and Luke Garrett get the story behind the story. Every weekday afternoon, Megan and I will go beyond the headlines with WTOP reporters and sources to bring you more on the biggest local stories impacting you, our fellow Washingtonians. The DMV Download podcast is available now on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. The DMV Download podcast is presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Comedian Kevin Nealon cracks up the D.C. comedy loft tonight, tomorrow, and Saturday in Washington, D.C. We spoke when he played the Kennedy Center in 2017, breaking down his career from Saturday Night Live to Happy Gilmore. We're here with the one and only Kevin Nealon. Hilarious guy. Coming May 5th, Cinco de Mayo. Kevin, thanks so much for joining us. Gracias. <laughs> I'm trying to think the last time we saw you out at the Kennedy Center. I feel like uh, you were doing a little, you did the bull dance quote for me on the red carpet. Maybe it was Mark Twain for Eddie Murphy or something. When, when you we... are correct. You okay. are correct, sir. It was the Mark Twain Award for Eddie Murphy. Memories of that real quick before we dive into this, because I guess that was your last time uh, at Kennedy Center. It was. It was. It was a fun night. You know, I don't I don't know Eddie that well, but um, I did a movie with him called Daddy Daycare a while back, so I guess, uh, and we've both been on Saturday Night Live at different times, so... And I guess I needed a couple of white guys on there, <laughs> so uh, I was part of the uh, program. And it was fun. It was a lot of fun people on there, and, uh, it, and to play in that room was just um, outstanding. It was it was a real thrill. Awesome. Well, this time uh, on on May fifth will be all about you, not all about uh, Eddie for a change. Now we got the Kevin Nealon show here. Uh, what uh, what what sort of stuff are, you, are we going to see? Is it uh, do you have like political humors because we're in D.C. or is there other current events going on? Or you know what can we expect? Um, well, that's a good question. My act has always been evolving. Uh, you know, I, I equate comedians to blues musicians. They get, you know, they live out their life and they draw from that, and it kind of gets a little more seasoned as they get older. So mine is basically it's um, kind of um, kind of twisted kind of a uh, approach on my on my life and an exaggeration of what's going on, and 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 it's hard to really describe what you do as a, a you know a comedy you do as a stand up. It's like somebody trying to describe a themselves to somebody else but <laughs> i have friends that say your comedy kind of sneaks up on people you know what i mean that's a good way to put it yeah so i don't know if it's a little more dry or, or what but um <laughs> but and also club owners say that they have to um order um more red wine when i perform at their clubs you know so <laughs> some of them <laughs> like the blue collar comics they have you know chicken wings they need to order more of so mine i guess would be more of a 
sophisticated crowd, I'd like to think. <laughs> Why do you think it's a red one and not white one? That's interesting. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he said white wine, too, but I, because I prefer red wine, I, I'll just make it red wine. Oh, okay, I got you. I got you. All right. Well, how, take us into sort of how, you know, whenever we talk to, to, to comics, I'm always curious how you got into it. But you, were, you grew up in, in St. Louis area, right? How did you actually get Well, no, I was, I was actually born in St. Louis. I only lived there for three weeks. I hated the place. I got in a car and I split. Now, my father actually graduated from SLU, St. Louis University, and then we moved to Connecticut. That's where he got a job. But, um, you know, I got into, um, I was into music a lot. I wanted to be like, you know, a performer of music and a singer-songwriter, but I was just too frightened to do that on stage. It was too intimidating. And, and telling jokes seemed to come more naturally to me, and I really enjoyed the art of stand-up, the craft. You know, I'd watch these stand-ups come on TV, and i think, wow, man, this is cool. They don't have any tools or anything. They just come out and talk, and everybody loves them, and they make people laugh. And so I thought that was a pretty good uh career um possibility who, so i kind of pursued that who were some of those guys that you know you grew up in that that made you love it oh man there were so many different ones at different levels of you know my life but you know there are people that go back you may not have even heard of them but like stanley meyer and handelman i love jerry lewis movies growing up you know i <laughs> love that slapstick stuff although i don't do that now but um and then you know before i came out to l.a Right before it, you know, years before that, it was more like um, Steve Martin and um, Albert Brooks and Andy Kaufman. I like that absurdity stuff, and they were so unique and original. Well, absolutely. Um, yeah. When the, all right, so so then how do you actually break into it yourself? Where was your, what was your first gig? Well, I went to New York City to check out the comedy scene because I lived in Connecticut, and that was closer, but it was so intimidating. The clubs were so, you know, the audiences were the New York brash audiences, and the comics were tough, and I thought, I've never been to California. That seems more laid back, and so I moved out to Los Angeles, and I just started hitting all the open mic nights and developing material and developing a style, because when you first start out, you're, you're emulating other comics. You know, when you go to the clubs back then, people are they're emulating either, either David Letterman or Woody Allen or Richard Pryor or Steve Martin, you know, whomever. And then you finally kind of, you know, get enough stage time where you develop your own style. Yeah, definitely. But didn't you also get a, an early break uh, on, on Carson, right? Didn't you do a, a gig on that? Online? Yeah. Yeah, that was my first big break. It was, uh, you know, at the time I was doing a my talk show, and he was the king, and he was so great at it. And and um, so I passed the audition, and finally, and I got on there, and um, and I sat down on the couch with him. We did panel, and it couldn't have gone better. And it was really, it's to this day, it's the highlight of my career, even more so than Weeds or Saturday Night Live or any of those things. Interesting. Why do you say that? Just because he was such a, you know, a god, look, you looked up to him so much? Yeah, and also stand-up is what I wanted to do. It wasn't really to become an actor. Or, or be on those shows. I want to be a stand-up, and to get on the Tonight Show, that was that was the goal. That kind of validated you um, as a stand-up. And so, um, you know, I, I after that, I've never had more of a natural high than waiting for it to come on air. And you know, to this day, it's kind of like my feather in my cap. Awesome. Well, you mentioned some of your shows, including Saturday Night Live. That's how a lot of us got to know you, you know, around the world. Um, but take me into when you when you first hooked up with those guys. How how did you actually make that connection? Was it through Dana Carvey, or did you bring Dana Carvey in? Um, well, I knew Dana Carvey. We were friends from the stand up circuit, and we were also renting a house together in the Hollywood Hills with a couple other comics. And um, and he got he got selected to be on that show. It was really difficult to get a, even an audition for Saturday Night Live in Los Angeles or anywhere. You know, you had to have a high-powered agent or whatever, or have a reputation about you. So, you know, I wasn't even thinking about going on that show because I was a stand-up. I, I didn't do sketches or characters or impressions. And so Dana got on that summer for that coming fall, and he called me from Lorne Michaels' house um, that summer. He said, hey, Kev, I'm out of Lorne Michaels' house in Long Island. 
uh, I'm in the back bedroom. This is in the kitchen. Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd. Are you kidding? He goes, no. Anyway, I talked to Lauren, and they're looking for one more cast member. And I told him about you, and uh, he might want to see your tapes. I said, Dan Aykroyd and Bill Murray are in the kitchen? You know, it didn't even register to me that I would even be part of that. You buried the lead. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I sent my tapes in and, uh, you know, just to humor them. And, and a couple weeks later, I got another call from Dana. He goes, Kevin, I'm back out of Lauren Michaels' house. I'm in the back bedroom. This was in the kitchen. Steve Martin. I said, you're kidding. He goes, no. Anyway, Lauren liked your tapes. I think he's going to fly you in for an audition. Um, and you said Steve Martin's in the kitchen? Steve Martin's in the kitchen, yeah. Steve Martin's in the kitchen. He goes, yeah, someone's coming. I got to go. But anyway, so, you know, I flew in. Um, knowing I would never get it, I thought it was just a free trip to New York, and I auditioned at 30 Rock. You know, I did, like, some of my stand-up and some, some just loose characters. Dan and I used to fool around doing in the driveway of, of uh, the house we were renting. <clears throat> and, um, and I wasn't nervous at all because I knew I wouldn't get it. Everybody else was nervous, you know, and I flew back, and two weeks later, I'm sitting in front of Lauren Michaels in a high-rise in Beverly Hills, and he's offering me a job on Saturday Night Live. And you're saying Lauren Michaels uh, is in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, the next thing I knew, I was out of Lauren Michaels' house, and I'm in the kitchen, you know, and, uh, and Dana calls me. He goes, Kevin, I'm in the back bedroom. This is in the kitchen. I said, I am. Tough guy. I'm in the kitchen now. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, uh, it was just like that. It just kind of goes to show you, you know, you, you never know what's going to happen. You know, just show up and... Do your thing, and you know maybe you'll be right for something. Thanks. I'm glad we could you know run that kitchen joke all the way to its completion. <laughs> oh, that's I know. Right? That's great. Where take me into that moment. Um, you're talking of Dana Carvey. What's the moment where you were you know you're in I guess in the writers' room or whatever at SNL, and the idea of Hans and Franz comes into mind. Well, the Hans and Franz came the second season because after our first season, um, we went on tour. Dennis, Dennis Miller, Dana Carvey, and myself, we did an SNL tour that was sponsored by Swatch. And we did a bunch of cities and theaters. And um, we were in, I remember we were in Des Moines, Iowa, staying at a Red Roof Inn, and I was watching Showtime. They did Up Close and Personal, and it was Arnold Schwarzenegger. And, I, and it was just so hilarious, you know, listening to him, the cadence of his accent and, and things. And I called uh, Dana's room. I said, Dana, you gotta, you got to come over and watch this Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, interview with me. It's, it's just hilarious. And we watched it, and for the rest of the tour, we're talking like Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, you know let me tell you something. You know, he was so... <laughs> you know, the pompous and all that stuff. And, and we said, we got to come up with some characters. And, and I used to live in Germany, so I kind of knew like, the names of Hans and Franz, and, you know, and, and uh, the Austrian accent and stuff. And, and so, um, and bodybuilding was pretty big back then. And so we just thought it'd be funny if there were these two pathetic bodybuilders who never did anything, they never lifted a weight themselves and were just so um, full of, you know, kind of bitterness and they would berate everybody. <laughs> And we just kind of <clears throat> wrote that together, and Lauren put it on. And, it, you know, people didn't know who we were the first time, so they kind of, it was received kind of, you know, warm, warmly, but, you know, not crazy. And then we let it sit for a couple of weeks, and I said to Dana, I said, we should do Hans of Franz again, you know? And so we wrote up another one, and when, when we um, came out, the place went crazy, so we knew there were hits. <laughs> yeah, you pumped us up, man. Uh, yeah, I yeah, believe me now, and listen to me later. Don't be the girly man. If you took your belt off, you cause a flabalance. <laughs> you still got it. Yeah, uh, so wanna... self-important. Stay tuned for the rest of our conversation, but first, a message from a fellow WTOP podcast. 
DMV Download, the new daily podcast from WTOP News is out now. Hosts Megan Clorty and Luke Garrett get the story behind the story. Every weekday afternoon, Megan and I will go beyond the headlines with WTOP reporters and sources to bring you more on the biggest local stories impacting you, our fellow Washingtonians. The DMV Download podcast is available now on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. The DMV Download podcast is presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Welcome back to Beyond the Fame as we continue my conversation with comedian Kevin Nealon. A lot of your other SNL characters that I'll never forget, they were, you had a lot of good misters, like you had Mr. Subliminal Message Man or Mr. Unknown Death yeah. Perception. Or <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Memories of those really quick, because I, I mean, I'm, God, I'm just like crying laughing thinking about them. <laughs> well, the Subliminal, uh, Mr. Subliminal or Subliminal Man, whatever it's called, um, that was the thing that came from my stand-up comedy. I was doing a thing called tagging, you know, where I would split those little words in. Yeah. Um, and, um, and then I got together with Al Franken and we thought we, you know, we knew about subliminal advertising. I, I went to school for marketing, so I knew about that. And we thought it'd be good to fit those words and to try to get something that you want from the other person. That's tickets, you know, things like that. And, um, and, and that became a, a big hit too. And, um, and it's funny, you know, I, you think you don't have any characters in you or you can't do accents or impressions. And, but when, you know, you're put on the spot, you kind of rise to the occasion and you, you realize that you can do that kind of stuff. Yeah, you're Mr. Rise to the Occasion. Uh, all right, well, before we move on to SNL, I just want to ask you really quick about Weekend Update. I mean, you were, I think, in my opinion, one of, one of the, my favorite ones doing it. How, what was, like the, what was the, the coolest part of doing that? And how did you come up with that signature sign-off that I'm Kevin Nealon and that's news to me? Well, the coolest part of it was it was a sit-down job, which was nice. <laughs> um, and it was fun to be able to do topical material again and, and be able to just write jokes, because I went from writing jokes to writing characters and sketches and things like that. So here I was, you know, thrusted back into joke writing, which is kind of cool. But I was also doing the other, uh, I was doing sketches, too. Dennis pretty much just did Weekend Update, so he could focus on that. So it was kind of a whirlwind, kind of a, a show for me, because I had to get all those jokes together from from the writers that would write on the show. A lot of, a lot of the writers didn't want to write Weekend Update because it wasn't a glorifying kind of a position for them. You know, nobody was talking about a joke on Monday. They're talking about characters that right. they saw. So, you know, um, I actually was paying <clears throat> the first year or so, I was paying like writers in LA 50 bucks a joke to fax me in, like a joke. And then I would write some jokes and, you know, a couple of the writers wrote. But, um, and then eventually they hired a, a full-time writer for me. <clears throat> but it was... Um, the the tag the uh, sign off that's news to me. I didn't have that the first show I did, 
And I, and I was trying to come up with something, and then I was laying in bed that next Saturday morning, and it just kind of came to me like at five in the morning because I was going around in my head, and you know that's news to me. So and then Robert Smigel kind of incorporated the turning head in the beginning, you know. Yeah. And we did a couple extra ones like Halloween, my head would turn into a pumpkin, <laughs> or you know my nose would start bleeding, you know as yeah. I came around. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. All right, so uh, so obviously through that show, you become close with Adam Sandler and transition into a lot of his movies. I mean, Happy Gilmore, I mean, we mentioned it at the top, but how often do you have people coming up saying, you know, harness the good energy, block the bad, do the bull dance? Yeah, quite often, especially when I'm golfing. You know, like I do a tournament in like Tahoe once a year. It's called the American Century Championship. And, you know, you get a lot of fans out there and um, there's a lot of athletes and, you know, celebrities out there. So you get people kind of yelling that out. Feel the flow. Feel the flow, do the full dance, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I have done a lot of Sandler films, and they've always been fun. I'm, you know, friends with him, and um, and whenever we do a film, it's kind of like a boys' club. You know, he's got the basketball hoop set up, and there's guitars around, and uh, it's kind of a fun. It's like a summer camp. <laughs> was that was the bull dance thing improv, or was that in the script? Um, I'm not sure about the bull dance. I think he might have had that, but a lot of my stuff was kind of improvised. You know, like feel the flow, harness the good, block the bad, send the ball home happy you know put a quarter in a circular circular goes around bags are packed you know <laughs> <laughs> well I, gotta, I can't i can't remember how much they edited out of that because we were just going on and on <laughs> well i gotta say i mean because you mentioned you know bill murray and all those guys earlier um you know as, as people you grew up on and of course caddyshack but happy gilmore was my generation's caddyshack so i mean you're like the roger dangerfield in my mind are you kidding me <laughs> uh, that's awesome man the two greatest golf comedies ever i guess there's not that many but <laughs> um all right well moving forward in your career just a little bit i know you did you know monk and a couple other things but we Doug, uh, memories of that real quick, and, and now you're on Showtime, so I guess you have a little more uh, leeway. Yeah, that was um, that, that kind of came into my hands. I always wondered if there would ever be a show like after SNL that would kind of make a mark, you know, for me, right? Because I had done a couple of sitcoms that didn't last, and um, and I'd done you know other things, but and then I saw this uh, the script came to me. And it said Weeds on the front. I thought, oh, it's another stoner kind of a you know project. These things have been done to death. And, and I read it. And I thought, wow, this is really good. Good characters, good story, and. I went on a bet with Jenji Cohen, who created the show, and she, um, you know, just we just hit it off, and I was perfect for the part of Doug Wilson, and that, uh, and I was just a guest star in the pilot for that one, and then once it got picked up, they made me a regular. Awesome. Well, you've had a great career. What are you working on? What are you working on next? I've, I mean, we've seen you all over the place and a lot of stuff. Well, I have a show on now called Man with a Plan. It's on CBS with uh, Matt LeBlanc. It's on Monday nights at eight thirty, and that's. Um, it's a fun show to do. I mean, we got good good ratings, and we got the People's Choice Award for Best New Comedy this year, and we got picked up for a second season. Uh, we start taping August 7th, so um, I'm excited about that. That's so and, awesome. Uh, and then I've written a film also that I'd like to try to shoot this summer. What's that one? Can we can we get a little teaser on that, or is it yeah, too early? Yeah, it's called The It's called The Pleaser, and it's a, it's a comedy. It's kind of a dark comedy about this couple who um, move in. Um, my wife, my young wife, brings out her... Um, her gay mother, who's a fertility specialist, and her partner to try to help us get pregnant. Oh, nice! Oh, wait, wait, yeah. Where are you in the in the phase of that? Is this pre-production? Well, stuff? we're just kind of like securing some investors right now and um, and getting the pre-production stuff done. 
All right, well, we'll get the word out for you in this interview, hopefully. Okay. <laughs> I'm yeah, sure, I'm sure yeah. that'll mean a lot. But <laughs> Yeah, if anybody wants to invest in that, you know, call Brillstein Entertainment Partners. <laughs> or come to the Kennedy Center on Cinco de Mayo. Um, I guess in closing, you know, why, why should we come out? If they, if they hear this, you know, why, why should our listeners come out? That's a good question. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you'd no. want to come. Well, there's many reasons they should come out. First of all, it's a great venue. Um, and we need a lot of comedy right now. And, um, and I'm bringing the comedy. And I'm coming with Kirk Fox, who's a, a great comic, too, if you've ever seen him. And he's so funny. He's uh, going to be opening for me. He's a headliner himself. And we just, we're buddies, so we just want to hang out. It's a little tour we're doing. So, um, yeah. And, um, and I'm kind of developing material for my next special. So it'll just be a fun night. You know, awesome. Oh, and I'm giving out money too. I'm giving out a lot of money. Oh well, uh, I like how you you save that for the last. You should have said that at the top of the interview, man. <laughs> well, you know, I want I don't want I want the real fans to hang in there. Oh, that's true. All right, if they make it to the end of this interview, then then they get the money. That's right. All right, cool. Kevin Nealon, you're the best. Thank you so much for for taking the time. We look forward to seeing My you out pleasure. there. Oh, I can't wait. I'm really excited about it. Thank you, sir. Hey, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. I wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.